<laughs> Good morning. How's everybody doing? The woohoos are in the room. All right. <laughs> Sometimes I like to just take a moment and point at something that takes place uh, when we're in a service. Um, and so in this morning's worship time, as we were really lifting our voices, that it's almost as if um, it's almost as if there's like the energy, people will describe it, the energy in the room. There's an energy that just kind of goes higher and higher and higher. And this morning was one of those mornings where we could just sense, uh, and you get caught up in it. You just like, there's a freedom and there's a sense of something's happening. Well, we believe that, that it's, it's not, uh, we use that word sometimes energy, but um, energia is a Greek word. Uh, and it's, it's the, there is a really an authority and a power of God's presence that's manifesting in the room. And so I'm going to talk about that in a minute when we create atmospheres uh, for miracles. But God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. But there are times when in the praises of God's people, God will, will just, just kind of show up in a way that he's felt. And so that's sometimes we describe that as, as wow, you know, the energy in the room. No, it's ho- that's Holy Spirit. That's a person that comes into the room. And the psalmist David describes it. He says, let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. And we were sensing that joy this morning. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. So it's his joy, his pleasure that begins to be felt and manifest as we do that. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let all the saints be joyful uh, in glory. Let them sing aloud on their bed. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth. And that description, the high praise, is when it's just that, that sense we're going higher, that sense of uh, it's, you know, it's a little louder, it's a little more intense, it's a little more like, woohoo! like it's just you're being drawn into this. And God says, yeah, I like that, that high praise of God be in their mouth. And then it says this, and a two-edged sword in their hand. So now there's a sense in which, and I don't know if you were feeling it, specifically in Waymaker, so as we were singing Waymaker, and it was just really building, I know just in my own spirit, this just I began to erupt in prayer and just felt like, God, there's nothing that can hold you back. There's nothing that can keep you down. And you begin to partner with that sense. And I just let prayer begin to kind of rise up. And it says, let the high praise of God be in your mouth, a two-edged sword in your hand. It's talking about the scriptures and the principles of the word of God. We begin to pray those out and declare those to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor, have all the saints praise the Lord. And that's not uh, um, earthly nations or speaking about, you know, uh, uh, the guy next door who, who doesn't cut his grass and, and, you know, that's, it's not our enemies like that. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood but principalities and powers in the high places. So it's talking about literally binding the hand of the enemy, chaining uh, the enemy, and this honor has all the saints. You've been given the honor to come against principalities and powers of hell and push them back. You're not subject to them. You are the subjects of heaven. You have the power of God today. Come on, did you enjoy the high praise of God in your mouth today? Amen, amen, amen. I want to look at a scripture from Mark chapter 6. 
talking about Jesus. He left there and went to his hometown, which happens to be Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Lord Jesus, thank you today that we expect many miracles. You are the God of miracles. You are the way maker. Lord, you're the promise keeper. You're the miracle worker in our lives today. And Lord, I just pray that we would have minds to receive hearts that would be fertile right now. Lord, spirits that are eager to enter in. Uh, Lord, to see you manifest your power and your glory in our lives, in our neighbors' lives, in this region, Lord. Lord, everywhere that we would go as ambassadors of yours, bringing the power of the kingdom with us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The miracle workers, we participate in that. I'm talking to you today about building an atmosphere for miracles. Leading up to this verse in Mark, it's, it's really kind of dramatic that we see a number of just crazy miracles that Jesus uh, is blessing people with. There's a demoniac that they can't even, um, they try to tie him up in chains and he has supernatural strength. He's able to break them. He's under such torment uh, and such uh, uh, just a degree of anguish uh, from demons. And Jesus sets him free. There's a girl that's raised from the dead. She's, she's, she's like no breath. She is dead. Raises her uh, back to life. And, um, and then he leaves this town, Nazareth, and he feeds 5,000 people with five buns and a couple fish. But sandwiched in the middle, sandwich, brunch, um, in the middle <laughs> of these stories is a, is a little moment where Jesus in his hometown, and it says that he could not, he could not because they didn't have an atmosphere there for miracles. And rather than focus today on how to not have miracles, I want to talk to you about how to have miracles in your life. Be a part of a people here at Harvest that creates an atmosphere each Sunday, and uh, whether it's kids camp or however we come together, that we're believing each and every time that God is touching somebody's life, breaking addictions, healing bodies, setting people free, doing miracles. We want to continue to understand that you, we have to be intentional about creating an atmosphere where those miracles take place. So let's look at that today. I, I want to look at Jesus's very first miracle, and he's at a wedding. Uh, we're going to learn some things from this miracle, and he turns water into wine. So Jesus's mom comes to him and says, your disciples uh, have used up too much of the wine. We're out. It makes her look bad. And so she, she's uh, what we can understand, probably the wedding planner. And, uh, and so she said, you need to do something about this. And so the miracle of uh, large uh, pots, clay vessel pots that were filled with water, uh, and Jesus does a miracle where that turns into wine. In fact, uh, the guests that were drinking it said, this is incredible. This is the best wine ever. And so as we kind of just set up, that is the miracle. At the conclusion of the story, in John chapter 2, verse 11, this miraculous sign, this miracle in Canaan of Galilee, was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory, or went from being Jesus the carpenter, to, or Jesus just the ordinary guy, to whoa, who is this guy? This is Jesus, the Son of God. And he, he reveals his glory, or he reveals uh, his capacity uh, in the supernatural, in the miraculous realm. This miraculous sign is revealed and because of that, his disciples believed in him. So this first miracle 
uh, sets this up for us to help understand this word revealed. Say revealed. It's an important word. It, it means to manifest, to show forth. It means something that was hidden is now visible. Something that was hidden was now visible. And so purposely, uh, Jesus partnering with his father, it wasn't time to kind of step into the platform, into the arena of Jesus, the son of God, because on that moment on, he would be heading to the cross. And, and so, so the story is set up that Jesus didn't do miracles as a child. He didn't do, this is his first miracle, say first. And it's revealed to humanity, revealed to us today, revealed that Jesus is a miracle worker. He's the son of God. And so it was hidden, but now it's made known. To create an atmosphere for miracles, number one, don't hide your miracle. Don't hide your miracle. You'll understand as we go on. In Genesis, there's the story of Sarah and Hagar. Abraham uh, married Sarah, and there was a promise from God that they would have a son. And as the years go on and they get older and older, it looks impossible that they would have children. And uh, Sarah had a handmaid named Hagar that would just spend her life, never get married, never be with a man, that would spend her life dedicating it to Sarah as her kind of personal assistant, and she would serve her that way. And Sarah said to Abraham, God's not going to give us this miracle, so why don't you just um, be with Hagar, impregnate her, and we'll have children that way. And they do that, um, and they have a son named Ishmael. Later on, they receive their miracle. God does a miracle, even though they're like over 100 years old. Um, and the, uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, have Isaac. But as she's raising Isaac, Sarah now can't stand Hagar and Ishmael can't stand what they represent, can't stand who they are because they represent something to her that she doesn't want around and says to Abraham, I'd like you to get rid of them. We're actually stronger than that. I want you to banish them from the family and put them out. Uh, I don't want anything to do with them. And so Hagar now, a single mom, and her son Ishmael head out into the desert, really wandering, wandering around aimlessly, not knowing where they're going to go. They're homeless. They, they have no means uh, for their future. And um, she, they run out of food. They run out of water. Literally at the corner of nowhere and nothing. Nowhere and nothing. They don't know, she doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know where she is. And she takes her son Ishmael and places him under um, a low-lying a low bush where there's some shade, just to place him there so that he would have some relief from the sun. The Bible says that he is like crying out in pain, um, dehydration, whatever's going on. And she goes some ways down where she doesn't want to hear him to be reminded of the mess that they are in, that they have nowhere to go, they have no resources. And uh, basically her son's going to pass, he's going to die. And she doesn't want to hear him cry and then take his last breath. As she's in this desperate situation, nowhere to go, nowhere to be, no escape, no resources, nothing can change the situation she finds herself in. But her son crying out, um, it, it, an angel calls down to Hagar and says this, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God asked a call to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what 
wrong. And I love this, that we serve a God that wants to ask us to question what's wrong. And you may be here today and say, if he's God, then he should know what's wrong with my life. If he's God, he should know that my son is suffering. He should know about the injustice of Abraham kicking me out, of Sarah not giving two cents about me. He should just, but doesn't God care? And Doesn't God know? This morning, we realize that we live in a world that doesn't work right. We live in a world of fallen and broken people. But we live in a world with a God who watches us every moment, who's as close as the mention as, of, as, of, as his name, Jesus. And he loves us and he adores us and he calls out to you and he calls out to me today in the midst of the corner of nowhere and nothing and says, what's wrong? Not because he doesn't know, because he wants you to pour out your heart and tell him what's wrong so he can fix it and turn it around and do something for you that's right. And he wants you to know today that he cares that it's wrong and he wants to make it right. Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him. This is an amazing verse, and it speaks to stepping up in faith that she would move from the place that she distanced herself and said that I can't help my son. I, and it says, I want you to go now and be, and be his mom and comfort him. It gives strength for that. gives the promise I, he'll be a great nation uh, from his descendants. And then God opened Hagar's eyes. I'm talking this morning. Don't hide your miracle. Don't remain in your situation that believes there's no miracle for you that you know what's wrong, but you don't want to open your eyes to see that there's a God who wants to make it right. Hagar could have decided that there was no answer, no provision, but the Bible says that she begins to uh, listen to God, begin to answer, begin to uh, um, dialogue with God. God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. The miracle was there all the time. The miracle was there all the time. You see uh, Henry and Judy, um, Judy, praying for your miracle. You've got this thing going on in your body where your blood, doctor said your blood was septic poison, and uh, we're believing for your miracle. Uh, so awesome to see you sitting in the house of God this morning. We're standing with you praying for complete healing in your body. God, open Hagar's eyes. She saw the miracle. It was there all the time. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah the prophet, and he's with his servant, and they find themselves in the middle of a war, literally, uh, their nation and another nation, and the war's taking place in the city that they live in. The city's kind of in a valley, and it's surrounded by some hill country. And in the cover of night, uh, the enemy sneaks in and, uh, and surrounds that city. So often, isn't that the case in our life where you know, in the night hour, when it's darkest in our life, we can't see God active. We can't see really any sense of, uh, you know, clearly what's happening. And the enemy takes advantage of that, sneaks in in the middle of our night hour and surrounds us. And this natural enemy, this real enemy did that. And Elijah's servant goes out in the morning, steps out to get the morning newspaper, has got his coffee in his hand, looks up and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And all around, um, 
around that city on those foothills uh, are the enemy soldiers standing as proud as can be, completely surrounding them. Uh, and uh, as, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as the eye could see, they're vastly outnumbered. And they were using a tactic of intimidation. And how often the enemy will do that in your life and in my life. To seem so strong. To seem so big. We see with Goliath confronting uh, the nation of Israel. It took David to confront the giant. And realize that that intimidation. That there was a greater spirit within him. The spirit of God. But how often we get intimidated by what we see in the natural. And we begin to lose sight that there's a miracle in the midst of what the enemy's doing, that God has a miracle. Say, God has a miracle. He has a miracle for you. He has a miracle for me. We're talking about today an atmosphere for miracles. And it is begin, you need to see that, that your miracle's not hidden. You start with understanding. Don't hide your miracle. Don't keep it hidden. Begin to ask the Lord to open your eyes to see that there's a miracle in the midst of you being surrounded, even by the enemy himself. You've got nowhere to go. That servant's like, we'll just go this. No, can't go that way. We'll just try it over. No, we can't. And you've tried everything. You're completely surrounded. And he cries out to Elijah and says, man, we are in trouble. <laughs> And and he says, now, Elijah says to the servant, you don't need to worry about this. Maybe you're surrounded today wondering, what in the world? Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm surrounded by. And Elijah says, he's just kind of nonchalant and says, no, no, no. It's okay. We got the suckers outnumbered. We're going to win this. And he's like, oh, one, two, one, two, one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four. I mean, hey, there's just two of us. <laughs> What is it that you see that I can't see? And Elijah the prophet prays, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. That's my prayer for you this morning. Lord, open their eyes and let them see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Yeah, the enemy had surrounded them, but God had surrounded the enemy. No matter what is surrounding you today, there's a God in heaven who understands and knows what you're going through, and he has the very enemy that is surrounding you. He's got them surrounded. We outnumber the suckers. Come on. Today, there is a God that says, let me open your eyes to see. I have a miracle for you. Don't hide your miracle. Don't let it remain in a realm that you see the natural so clearly, but you're refusing to see what God has for you. A miracle is on its way. First Corinthians says that this is what the scriptures mean. This is what they mean when they say, no, I has seen no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared, past tense, for those who love him. Leave the verse up. We're going to continue looking at it. But I need you to see that it's been prepared. Your miracle's been prepared. God's not waiting for something. He's already prepared the miracle. It is already in the realm of the unseen. He's waiting for your faith to rise up to go, God, open my eyes. I want to see my miracle. It begins with wanting to see. It begins with realizing that even though in the natural we're surrounded, even in the natural we might be at the corner of nowhere and nothing, there is a God in heaven who knows where you are and wants you to begin to see that he has prepared because he loves you a miracle. 
But it was to us that God revealed. There's our word from the, the Canaan of Galilee miracle. God wants to reveal. We're not just talking about this today. We're not just saying, oh, this is a great idea, and God wants to uh, do a miracle for you. Well, God, when's it going to show up? And that's a great question. And that's a question that's in, if you're waiting for a miracle today, it's in your heart. Look at it. It says that God has prepared past tense. He, ha- he wants to reveal these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us, shows us, demonstrates to us, shows us God's deep secrets. God's not keeping your miracles secret any longer. He wants to manifest it and bring it into your life. God is there for you today. There is a miracle prepared for you today. Let's say that you and your wife, or if you're a single today, that you're home and uh, you're alone, but you are preparing, uh, you've, you've, you've contacted somebody maybe here that you met in church or next Sunday, and that's why we do, uh, it's a great time to meet new people. Uh, we'll have our parking lot filled with uh, food, there'll be a food vendor here, and there'll be blow up and activities, and it's just a fun day to hang out. So please plan on staying at least an hour after the service. Uh, put that on your calendar. It's just part of what we're going to do. And you'll get to meet some people, and maybe you'll meet somebody that say, hey, this has been a great conversation. I'd love to have you over to the house sometime and get to know you a little bit more. And you make those plans, and that, that happens. If, if you give that invitation, um, you're not sitting at home waiting for them to knock at the door. Oh, they came. Oh, well, I, we, we, should, maybe we, we should get ready. <laughs> you're prepared. Say prepared. You're prepared before they come. Because you were expecting them. Your expectation moves you to preparation. Your expectation will move you to preparation. You decided the meal you were going to have. You went shopping and purchased the items. You, you cooked the meal. You got dessert out of the freezer, that M&M cheesecake, so it would be completely thawed. So you could say you baked it from scratch and nobody would know. You were getting ready. You were prepared. They were coming. Expectation will move you to preparation. Creating an atmosphere for miracles is exactly the same way. Expectation is an atmosphere builder for miracles. When you begin to expect, each morning when you wake up, today's a day for a miracle. Today's a great day for a miracle. We come to the house of God and we we sense the presence of God here and we go, today's a great day for a miracle. For God to touch my friend that I invited. For God to break uh, that bondage in my own life that I've been fighting, but today's the day that I declare vengeance on that enemy. In the high praises of God in my voice, I'm gonna have my miracle. Expectation, where we expect miracles, an expectancy for miracles will create an atmosphere for miracles. James says this, we must be patient and filled with expectation while we wait. Now, the verse is talking about um, as, as we wait for the second coming of Jesus. But the principle of waiting for Jesus and his miracles, we can apply it exactly the same way. And the analogy, exactly the same way. So let's just do that. Apply this principle to being expectant, but also waiting, because miracles don't always show right up. There's also a waiting. So he says this, we must be patient and filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord and today for the the miracle to manifest. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and the latter rain. 
So we're not just looking for the miracle. We have eyes in the Spirit to begin looking for the miracle. We're also expecting, but in the expectation, sometimes we are also waiting. So I want to talk about this tension as we need to be expectant, excited, like at any moment the miracle's coming through the door, and I want to be ready. Have you created a place in your life for your miracle? You see, sometimes we're looking for the miracle, but if it literally manifested, if it literally happened, are you ready? I knew a, a man uh, that was uh, confined to a wheelchair, and uh, he was believing God to heal his legs. So he went out and bought a pair of running shoes. He said, I want to be ready for the day that God gets me out of this chair. I don't want to have to go to the, oh, I had a miracle. I better go. No, he said, I want to be ready. I'm expecting my miracle. Over the years of God blessing families where there was infertility challenges in a couple's life and that they've gone ahead and they've prepared the nursery in their home. We have people sitting here today where they've done that. Others have said, you're nuts. What are you doing that for? You're just getting your hopes up. No, we're expecting. We know that God is the God of miracles and we're just getting prepared because we're expecting the miracle to come to the door and in God's timing, it will arrive and we'll be ready. So waiting and expectancy, we are building atmospheres uh, for miracles. So we have those things sometimes in tension. And then it uses the analogy of the farmer planting the seed. And I love this because it just brings back memories for me of each spring um, that my dad would, would do a, a fairly sizable garden, vegetable garden for our family. And, uh, but when I was, I kind of remember the very first one, I was eight or nine and, uh, it was, he, at that time, the plot was in the front of our house. Um, and, uh, there was a, a spot that he had picked out and tilled the ground and then raked it, uh, and, uh, got it all ready, put the seed in the ground and early spring as we were doing that. And, and then he, uh, cause he often would do because he was a blacksmith, he would, he would make a tool. Just, just for whatever we were doing. And he made, made a tool that you could just drag it along and make a little trench that the seeds would go in. And then there would be a stake at both ends of the row. And he would take the seeds and I'd help him and we would, uh, we put those seeds in and he'd push out, tell me the proper spacing. And at the end of the row, he would take the empty seed container of the package that had a picture of what was going to be there. And he would put that seed uh, uh, wrapper over top of the stake. And if it was carrots, there was a big orange carrot right there at the end, uh, at the end of the row. I remember kind of that when I was just that little time, when I was little, that first time, about eight. And I went out the next morning and there was no carrots. And I was really, like, really disappointed. And I thought maybe... Maybe, and I, I knew enough that carrots grew under the ground. Some things he'd explain, some things grow above. The carrots were below the ground. I thought, okay, the carrots, the carrots are there. The carrots are there. And I began digging up the seed to see if the carrots were there. And, of course, there were no carrots. And my dad came out and had to explain that, that no, you've got to wait for the seed, and you need to look at the picture and begin to expect that the carrots are coming. Come on, somebody, I need to ask you, do you have a picture 
of what you're asking God. Do you see it in the spirit of what God wants? That God wants to, he's prepared it already. Your carrot, your miracle is on its way. But can you see it? Can you picture it? I think some of you need to start picturing your miracle by forming the picture with the scriptures, with the seed of God's word, and begin finding those verses that talk to your situation, that, that describe the situation. If it's healing in your body, go in the New Testament and find all the places where Jesus healed physical bodies and begin to get your picture on the end of your row of the seed. And James said that the farmer waits patiently. He puts his seed in. And the seed today, maybe you're getting a seed in your heart today that God's got a miracle for you. And what I want you to do is hold that seed. Don't dig it up tomorrow if your miracle didn't show up. And don't dig it up next week. And don't let the enemy tell you that nothing's going to happen because that's when the weeds begin to grow up. You need to get ready. When someone says, you're going to go ahead and build a nursery, and the doctors are saying you can't get pregnant, that's craziness. That's a weed. Pull it out. Don't let it settle in your life. Just say, hey, I love you. I understand it seems a little nuts, but we'll be inviting you over when our when we have the gender reveal party, when we have the birthing party, when you can hold the baby, because God said it's going to happen. And so you pull the weeds out. You, you, you make sure that the naysayers don't have a place in your life where they you go, that's nuts. That's crazy. I know it seems like it, but we're pulling the weeds. We're believing God for the picture at the end of the row. A miracle is coming. A miracle is being supplied. We put the seed. Water your seed. Water your seed. Water your seed. You say, Pastor, how do I water the seed of the scripture or the promise or what I'm believing God for? What you did this morning is you come into the presence of God. You're watering that seed. During the week, make declarations that the scriptures talk about. If you're looking for provision, financial provision, you say, God is my provider. And you, you talk to God about a story you've heard here or you've read in your first 15 as you've gotten up in the morning. Or God will actually lead you to a scripture and you're watering that seed. You're watering and keeping that seed alive while you wait patiently, believing what God has said, pushing away the weeds of what uh, the enemy or negative gainsayers will say, and you're about to receive your harvest of a miracle. Stay in faith. Get a picture. I mean, literally, someone's just clicking going, man, I'm going to take a picture of this, and I'm going to look at it and begin to change my mind about what God wants to do. Number one, don't hide your miracle. Number two, wait and expect. Number three, the team's going to come, and we're going to transition our service. Practice his presence. Practice his presence. At Harvest, we hold on to this truth with both hands and both feet, literally. This morning, if you thought maybe if you're new and why are people lifting their hands up? The scriptures talk about as an act of surrender and an act of just glorifying God. We lift our hands and we say, God, we worship you today. The God who has my miracle in his hands, the God who loves me has prepared good things for me because he loves me. And I said both hands and both feet because we like to move and get excited about these truths. And the scriptures tell us that we enter into his presence Remember, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But there's a sense in which we, with the, we call it the felt presence of God. We actually, we've had people say, I felt something in the room today. We go, that was Holy Spirit. He was here to touch you and meet with you and speak with you. Or others will say, I don't know why, but I get emotional. 
Yeah, that's why those Kleenex boxes are handy. At least we try to get them handy and, and say, well, why am I emotional? There's nothing wrong with you. When you lower your walls, we, we, like, we, we just don't do that in front of people, right? Often we're just very guarded. But God doesn't want you to be guarded with him. And so God will begin to move upon your heart in a way that you begin lowering that wall. And the next thing you know, and it's simply you emotionally responding to God emotionally responding to you. That God loves you so very, very much. And you're sensing and feeling that love. Well, we practice that each and every day. The Bible says enter into that with singing. Enter into his courts with praise. Another scripture talks about God's throne is in the middle of his people's praises. And a throne is a place of authority. It's a place of, uh, of power. And so as we worship God, as we come into his presence in prayer and with worship, we are learning to practice each and every day of being in that presence. And that presence is the greatest miracle atmosphere builder you will ever, ever encounter. We're learning to build atmospheres for miracles. Don't hide them. Begin to look and understand God's got a miracle for you, even though in the natural you can't see it. Number two, that we're creating a sense of waiting, but we're expectant. We're expectant. If it doesn't manifest instantly, we know that the harvest will come like the farmer has learned it. And thirdly, we come into his presence each and every day. We practice a relationship with Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to his church. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. <laughs> I can't help but think of this. i just share it with you. This week I was having lunch with my dear, dear friend, pa Pastor, uh, Father Matt Brunet. And uh, we were having lunch together. And, and he, we had met somebody uh, in, in the restaurant. And I was trying, he's trying to understand. He said, so it was a particular a person from a, a, a church background that doesn't believe miracles are for today. In fact, quite strongly that it might go beyond that and, and just say, if you talk about that, like that's, that's, that's heresy, that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives today. The Holy Spirit is indwelling in a way that the spiritual gifts and the gift of healing and prophecy and, and all the great, the great stuff of the New Testament by reason of the Holy Spirit coming until Jesus comes again. And so we were talking about that, and I said, well, it would all depend. He said, would they have fellowship? He was trying to understand, would they have fellowship with you? I said, well, it all depends on what kind they are. And I, I'm purposely keeping the denomination um, to protect the innocent. And, uh, and he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, some people believe that the Holy Spirit isn't for today. He goes, what do you, what, what, what do you mean? I said, well, they, God's kind of hiding the Holy Spirit. He was for the first century church, but after that, they didn't need him anymore. And so we rely on the scriptures. And he was real, he goes, but the Bible says that the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. You have to have both the scripture and the Holy Spirit. I said, I know. He said, wait a minute. You, I mean, there's actually people who confess Christ that are saying Holy Spirit's not for today. I go, I'm not going to try to explain it to you. <laughs> I said, but my dear, dear father, Matthew, who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit miracles. I said, that's why we're sitting and breaking bread today. Isn't this easy? He goes, it's so easy. This is great. That's just kind of an aside. But today, absolutely, Holy Spirit is for each and every believer. When we invite Jesus into our heart, he comes by his Holy Spirit. And then he said, 
There's a sense in which as Holy Spirit comes, but then Holy Spirit is, we give him permission to be activated. Nikki Gimbel, a great leader who uh, authors the Alpha series, says it this way. It's like your pilot light got lit and you have a pilot light in your life. You know a pilot light in a hot water heater or in a furnace? And then God wants the Holy Spirit gas to blow on you. And you know what happens when that gas hits that pilot light. And the power of his presence activates in your life. We call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism. It's an initial. And if you've never experienced your pilot light being engulfed by the power of God's presence and just sensing and feeling that presence in your life, that's for you today. You simply ask for it. You simply say, Lord, just like in the book of Acts, here I am. Would you fill me? Would you baptize me with your Holy Spirit? You see, Paul taught the church this in Ephesians. He said, don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Or that's just a a big word for you're going to look like an idiot if you drink too much wine because you lose your willpower. Instead, come under the influence of the Holy Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sometimes Karen, when she'll be leading, she'll stop and she'll say, hey, just sing a song right now out of your heart. And those of you that understand this and have had that, had that power come across your, your pilot light, you know you just begin to activate the Holy Spirit. And a language, not in English, it's not English, but another language, we call it your prayer language, just becomes, you begin singing. We call it singing in the Spirit or praying in the Spirit. And something just begins to take place. In fact, Jude said it this way in Jude one twenty: Dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. This is the most incredible way to build atmospheres for miracles. Because as you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, you begin, that the, you begin to understand in a very profound way that the Holy Spirit wants to use you as well, not just to receive miracles, but to be a vessel by which miracles can flow through, where you lay your hands on the sick and see them healed, where you pray with a friend for financial provision, and it takes place. With every head bowed and every eye closed, listen to this verse from Galatians. So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? In other words, do we earn this? Or do, if you just, like, if you're a really good Christian at some point, you kind of get this Christianity thing down. Is that how the Holy Spirit comes and miracles are worked among you? He asked this rhetorical question. Is that how it happened? Or is it by believing, having faith in what you heard? With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to stir a new passion for the miracles of God. Not because we've earned them, not because we deserve them, not because we somehow can get this right, but because we have faith in what we hear, the scriptures declaring today, so that those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Lord Jesus, in these moments right now, as our heads are bowed, I pray for each and every person. Some are seeing seeing right now a God who wants to do a miracle. Some are beginning to have an expectancy. It's almost as if they're pregnant with something. Something on the inside has begun to grow this morning. They're going to feel themselves growing on the inside, waiting for the miracle to come. Some are 
sitting in this room right now going, I want more of his presence. I want the Holy Spirit indwelling, infilling my life. I, I, I have a pilot light. I know that God's alive in me, but I want this sense of God's power. Lord, whatever the request is in any heart right now, and maybe it's all three, in the name of Jesus right now, Holy Spirit, come and touch hearts all across this room right now. All across this room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I have a picture, and it's just, it was of a lady putting her wedding rings back on. I just felt like somebody's believing, whether you're online today or here in the room, somebody's believing for the restoration, a miracle in your marriage. Your miracle's on its way. Your miracle's on its way. You're going to know because it will be miraculous. It's not, this relationship isn't a pill to swallow. This is something that God wants to do a miracle and give you a new beginning, give you a new life in an old relationship that's about to become new. Lord, I just pray that right now in Jesus' name. The seed of that, the hope of that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just before we worship, transition, head out on this long, beautiful weekend here in Ontario. And by the way, thank you for coming today. So many in the room, so many of you first timers today. Uh, that I've seen faces that I don't recognize. I just, we just love that you've made the effort to be in the house of God today. But just before we go, if you could just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. In every service, we ask this question at Harvest. Are you here today, but you've never asked Jesus to come into your life? And the Bible says that there is a choice for eternal life, that eternal life is offered to every human being. I was talking to my son, Seth, this week. He goes, Dad, I don't understand how it's fair that Adam and Eve could make the choice for sin, and sin would enter the world. I said, son, they made a choice, but so can't you, and so can't every human being. God doesn't hold us to account for their sin. You see, Jesus took it on the cross, but there's still a choice. And even though that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, we call it Easter, where he died, he rose again. He's at the right hand of the Father. And now, today, in this room by his Holy Spirit, offering you a chance at a new life in him, you simply have to ask. You might be like Hagar at the corner of nowhere and nothing. God is literally saying to you today, what's wrong? Hey, God, do we have enough time? Do we actually have enough time? You know, my life's a mess. God would say, but I have an answer. And if my, his, my son's name is Jesus. Let him come into your life today. If that's you today, and you're ready to hear the answer to every problem, whatever is wrong, the answer is Jesus in our life. If you'd like to receive that, I'm simply going to ask that you, I'm going to count down from five. When I get four, three, two, when I hit one, put your hand up, say, include me in that prayer today, Pastor, and I'll invite you to pray a prayer with me in five, in four, three, two, and one. If that's you, raise your hand. Just let me see it, wherever you might be. Is there anyone in the room today? I don't think I see anyone, but online, uh, all we had to, oh, oh, awesome, awesome. Somebody 
my helpers are saying, yes, somebody has raised their hand in an online church. The reason we get excited about that, and thank you if you raised your hand today, because we want to pray with you. You're going to ask Jesus, and he's going to answer that prayer. Come on, let's pray this prayer together today. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me just the way I am. And I am like Hagar today. There's a lot wrong, but today everything is right with you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I start my life today with you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it now in Jesus' name. If everybody said amen. Stand to your feet today. We believe if you prayed that prayer. Hey, if someone with a green shirt would love to meet you if you prayed that prayer today. Let's sing this and be dismissed.
Thank you for being with us this morning. We love you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday for Kids Camp Finale. Be blessed. If you're part of the Kids Camp volunteer team, you have a meeting straight after the service. Be blessed. See you next week.